Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening, reflecting into the gospel that we will hear on Sunday, which affords us the opportunity, this 26th Sunday in ordinary time, to reflect upon the parable of the two sons, otherwise known as the parable to say, uh, say what you mean and mean what you say. <laughs> I will talk about this with Debbie Rosales. So Debbie, it is great to have you with me this evening. Thanks for having me, Joe. So Debbie, the parable of the two sons has us reflecting into, yeah, that say what you mean, mean what you say. But there's something very interesting that Jesus opens up with. So why don't you go ahead and read the gospel so we can talk about that. All right, we're reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 to 32. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not, but afterward changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, The first. Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Deb. Mm-hmm. Boy, some striking words from our Lord there. Words that I think should humble all of us. <laughs> but that question, Debbie, what do you think? We have noted in the past that uh, our Lord is uh, a good master teacher. He is Raboni. He is going to teach as a Jew teaches. He's going to ask questions. And when he gets a question, uh, he is going to answer that question with a question. <laughs> What's unique here, though, is he leads with a question. What do you think? Why would he do that? It's always to remind ourselves, Debbie, that when we read Scripture and the God of history asks a question, something is up. Mm-hmm. Because obviously our Lord knows the answer <laughs> yep. to the question, <laughs> but he wants us taking ownership of uh, what he's talking about. And in this case, a parable. What do you think? Now, is he saying, what is your opinion? And he's done with it. You know, sometimes we get in um, circles of education and we just uh, gather around a table and we say, what do you think? What is your opinion? And we have, uh, you know, quote unquote, faith sharing, but there's no real proclamation of the gospel. There's no real proclamation of the good news outside of maybe our experience of the faith. The subjective element of our faith is certainly important uh, for our faith and to our faith, that experiential element. But Debbie, that's not the whole picture. There's subjective truth, which is rooted in our experience, and also the objective truth, what has been revealed. 
And what our Lord is doing here essentially is saying, what do you think? And then he doesn't stop there. He gives us a parable. He shares with us a parable. And in doing so, he begins to invite, right? Mm -hmm. He begins to propose truths, very important truths, maybe the single most important truth of our Mm -hmm. faith. And in doing so, he has us thinking differently, thinking anew about a principle. And in this case, of course, why do you do what you do? What he doesn't do is coerce and browbeat, Mm -hmm. impose. No, he's always going to invite. And what strikes me here, Debbie, is he not only invites, but he follows up that invitation, that question with a parable. So while he's uh, telling the parable, his audience is now thinking more critically. He just doesn't tell the parable. He asks the question first. And mm-hmm. just simply in that question, people are going to be thinking about this. And you know, Debbie, for all of us who have been called and who, for all of us who, who have humbly been called to, to such a vocation, we need to be mindful of what our Lord is doing here mm-hmm. because it's good catechesis. Get them thinking about what you want to talk about. And again, he doesn't say, what do you think? And then he hears from them. No, he says, what do you think? And then he gives them a context for them to think. And this is important because uh, what we have here is a distinction between our opinion and ultimately how Christ gets us to think more critically so that it forms our understanding of him. Again, truth is just not something arbitrary. What we think, it is something revealed, something to be discovered. And by Christ saying, what do you think? He's enticing them to discover a new and beautiful truth. He respects the freedom of his listening audience. And in doing so, yeah, we're going to be more open to what he's about to say. And what strikes me about this parable? Prostitutes? Yeah. Tax collectors? Are you, I mean, these were the scum of of the local (laughs) city, right? I mean, why are you saying this, Lord? I mean, what's going on here? So... Here he is offering a parable that is marked by a definitive yes, no, right, and wrong. I'll tell you what, Debbie, I think people are thinking about it then and for those willing to listen today now because of the question itself. So important. It's beautiful. And, you know, there's a a great analogy Scott Hahn uses of the first son representing the tax collectors and the prostitutes and that second son representing our little Pharisees here, (laughs) the leadership of the community. And earth-shattering for him to say that this, you know, bottom of the barrel of folk are going to be getting into heaven above these very pious, very, Mm -hmm. you know, self-pious leaders. And this is a real Mm shake-up. This is a shake-up for everyone around them as we're going to dig into a little bit so beautifully is the difference in the, in the answers between the two sons Mm -hmm. and why that's important. Truthfulness and right conscious and, and all that. And I know you're going to go into that, Mm -hmm. but so that, that gives you kind of a little bit of a background that there's this um, analogy between first son, second son, those that believed John the Baptist, the little ones, the Anoim and the leadership the ones everybody was supposed to 
hold in such high esteem. Yeah, Debbie, there is a tendency to categorize people, huh? <laughs> you know, uh, this person is gifted in this area. This person is gifted in that area. Um, this person over here is holy. That person over there, you know, struggles in life, doesn't quite get holiness. I, I don't get that. I don't follow that. We need to acquire that disposition, that disposition of absolute charity, where we look upon our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we see a wrong, and if we see someone hurt because of something someone has done, then yes, we go to that person. But as Matthew reminds us there in chapter 18, verse 15, the gospel we heard a few weeks ago, we always do it mindful of, of reverence and gentleness, mindful of doing it behind closed doors, and mindful that we are all created equal in the eyes of God. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done. I once heard a story from a famous actor who had shared that one day he stumbled upon someone and they looked at him and couldn't believe that they actually saw him and met him and they carried on about all of the movies he made, so on and so forth, and he saw that he was a devout Christian. And he said, would you pray for me? And the person looked at him like, well, why would I pray for you? As if he was not equal to him in the eyes of God. And I said, mm. that struck me. We have to understand here, bigger picture stuff, Debbie. I talk about this particular actor, Debbie, because we have been made to think today culturally in a way that is very, very dangerous. We disconnect actors and actresses uh, that we watch on the television screen or on the big screen from reality, from our prayers. Why? They are no greater than us. They are no better than us. Yes, American and popular culture would have you think that, but that's not the case. In point of fact, they need our prayers as much as anyone does, if not more, because they're on the big stage. We need to be thinking about this because ultimately what this then does for us is it grounds our sense of solidarity. It grounds our sense of being equal in the eyes of God. If I've heard it on one succular radio program, I've heard it on too many. This idea that an Oprah Winfrey is better than the next person or a LeBron James is better than the next person. While they might be more gifted and more talented in a certain art or a certain area, it doesn't make them better in the eyes of God. Conversely, those who are on the margins, those who are ostracized, <laughs> they are no less or no more than a LeBron James and Oprah Winfrey. In the eyes of God, all men are equal, in spite of what we think. So the Mary Magdalene's of the world, right. the, the Matthews of the world, the prostitutes and tax collectors, if they embrace the truth of the gospel message, then yes, as they look at the Pharisee. And there's a Pharisee within all of us, mm. Debbie. Oh, and yeah. that's really what this Alive and well. Yes, and that's what this parable tries to really drive home, I think. I, and I also think that there's a tax collector, repentant tax collector inside of us, hopefully. And so that's part of the tension of this parable. So uh, very important as we talk about this, because when Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he wants us to see this as an invitation. He wants us to see that he is the road to illumination. He's illumination itself. And that illumination is life giving. And that's what we're called to enter into. So as we talk about this parable, it's very important to be present to why this parable gets us a little uncomfortable because there's that tension within all of us. This morning, something 
very wonderful happened at mm. work. Mm. A coworker of mine was um, feeling a little overwhelmed. She said, I just feel like the darkness is so dark right now, that there's bad news everywhere. And she was praying on her way to work, Lord, just let me have some good news. I just need some good news. Just show me some good news. So as she pulls in the parking lot, she seems a homeless man laying on the concrete parking lot. He's using the curb as a pillow, and he's, she sees him shaking. So she says, Great. So the first thing I see is a homeless man in the parking lot. I said I needed some good news. Mm -hmm. So she comes upstairs, and I could see she's upset. She comes and she tells me about it. And uh, I said, she goes, you know, maybe I should take him down a blanket or something. I said, I'll go with you. You know, I'll go with you. So she goes and grabs some food. I go in the back, grab some food, and we come together, walk down to this man. And he's just shaking, shaking. And, and we sh- kind of shout out to him a bit, and he comes out from his blanket, and he's obviously going through withdrawals. I mean, he obvi- it was obvious. And so we had this little interaction with him, asked if he needed anything, is there anything we can help you with? No, and he's looking at us like he can't believe this is happening. He has this really funny look on his face. And he thanks us for the food, and we cover him up with the blanket, And as we're walking back, we both just realized that was our good thing for the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was a child of God. Mm -hmm. And God needed us to see him as a brother, Mm -hmm. not as a homeless man, not as a drug addict on withdrawal, not or alcoholic, but as a brother. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me, she goes, that was my good news today. Mm -hmm. Such a dichotomy. It's yeah. a dichotomy to what our judgment wants. She said, as I pulled in, I thought, oh, great. My good news is a homeless man. Yes, yes, yes. Do not rely on what you think you know. Exactly. You know? And it, isn't it interesting that you're using the language good news? Because we know, and I think our listening audience knows, uh, that the word gospel means good news. But it means more than just good news. It really means a transforming and saving message. And I don't know what greater good news that you and your coworker could have received than a homeless man. Because as you know, Debbie, and the gospel reminds us time and time again, you know, to the least of uh, your brethren, you, you do it unto me. Exactly. And, and ultimately, that is the gospel imperative. Right. So I don't know if there is any greater good news. Right. And as we're talking about this within the context of this parable, to be able to t- take a step back and say, yeah, you know, this is about a deeper understanding of who belongs to God, that we Mm -hmm. are brothers and sisters in Christ, Mm -hmm. that once we have a deeper understanding of the triune God who is personal and at once communal, what we then come to understand, Debbie, is that we are bound to them, the whole body of Christ in solidarity. Absolutely. Mindful that, you know, we define solidarity as civic friendship. That's a nice definition, but... We have to go beyond a civic friendship. We have to see it as the willingness to stop ourselves in our tracks, go to the person who is most in need, and see that, yes, we minister to them. We help them. But in turn, because it is, it is your good news of the day, he is ministering to you. Absolutely. You know, I, and I think really, you know, 
we talk about poverty in the context of material poverty and spiritual poverty, and we go to people who are clearly in, in some form, uh, in some form, are in material poverty. But what we have to realize simultaneously, and hopefully this is existential, I mean, it's just before us, it's who we are, is that when we go to them and we help them in their material need, they are feeding our spiritual poverty. Absolutely. And by spiritual poverty, what we mean to say is that poverty of heart, that dependence upon God, that God would minister to us through that person who belongs to the kingdom of heaven. This parable today very much highlights that. And I think that that's a beautiful story, Debbie, because what we're talking about is uh, the, the truth of the matter, mm -hmm. right? Working in the vineyard. Mm -hmm. Doesn't God invite every single one? There's not one of us he has not invited to work in the vineyard. Yeah. And, and make no mistake about it, Pope Francis is speaking oh. to this Daily. Uh, daily. And I tell you what, he has some strong, strong words on this matter. Very mm. strong words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're, we're going through Joy the Gospel on another night. And, you know, he, he's using this language. He's calling us names, Debbie. <laughs> you know, he's calling us names. You know, he called us a he's sour. Calling us out. <laughs> he, he called us a sourpuss the other night. You know, we were talking I'm like, dang, you know, and he, he's constant. But what is he saying? Get out of this comfort zone that you're in. Hallelujah. Get your, your, your feet dirty. Yep. You know, start smelling like, like the sheep. sheep. Yep. yep. And and do what Jesus told you to do. And stop fussing about it. Just do it. And when you do it, and and I love this point that he makes, God will show you everything that your heart desires. Mm. Because when we render our heart to God in service, we walk through new doors mm -hmm. that we never dreamed existed, Debbie. Mm-hmm. And this is about this parable. Why? Because, again, truthfulness, being honest. Mm -hmm. Say what you mean, mean what you say. This parable is about instilling a discomfort. Uh, Pope Francis, in his joy of the gospel, he's constant in his storytelling, maybe not so much parables, but in, in the way in which he, he instills this discomfort. He kind of gets us, mm -hmm. you know. He puts a little burr in the saddle. He, he Just does. Just a little bit of burr. He does, and he needs to. He does Because need to. we need it. We're the Pharisee and we're the tax collector, and we, we have to deal with this tension. Mm -hmm. We have to get over ourselves mm -hmm. and start ministering and serving in the vineyard. That This tension of, of uh, saying, doing, appearance, reality. Is Debbie about the truth and about the lie? What world do we live in? Mm -hmm. What world do we live in? I was talking with a psychologist recently, and he had something that blew me away. In his practice, and he's an older psychologist, he said a lot of people today, in the end, very much live in a false world, live in a false reality. And oh, by the way, why does Pope Francis spend so much time enjoying the gospel talking about reality? Because so many people live in this false world. Mm -hmm. We've isolated ourselves, and in today's social media, we have not only created this alternate world, we live in it, we dine in it, we go upstairs, we lock ourselves in a room, and, and we just abide there till our heart's content, and hours and hours and hours pass by. We remove ourselves from not only the real world, but then ultimately truth, what is real. And getting back to the psychologist, one lie after another, so to the point to where we build this cathedral of lies. And now... We are bound to these lies. And he says, worse yet, we make excuses. Oh, and how can we not think of John Paul II on this point when he says, an excuse is worse than a lie because it's a lie guarded. 
we have to deconstruct. We have to, to some degree, be able to identify all these stones that we have placed on top of each other so that we might be able to now live in the real world. And I'm not talking about Hollywood's real world. I'm mm-hmm. talking about reality. I'm talking, and I'm not just talking about, you know, taxes. I'm talking about <laughs> faithfulness, faith and reason. The fact that it is, yeah, we are going to die. So we need to start living with the end in mind. We need to start giving glory to, glory to God. We need to start riding our ship. And we do that with that great virtue of truthfulness, understanding, Debbie, that truth is just not a principle, right? We've already spoken to it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is a person. So if we live in truthfulness, ultimately what we realize is that we are moving towards a person in Jesus Christ. Mm, I love that. There was a reflection um, in the Magnificat this month, and I I just really thought it was beautiful. And they were talking about the tax collectors and the prostitutes entering the kingdom of God because they encountered the person of Jesus Christ. They found in him what they were formerly looking for in sin. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, I just thought it was beautiful. It was just a real, it's beautiful. That is beautiful. That person has found Jesus Christ who is infinitely more attractive than even the most powerful allure of evil. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's the difference between, you know, a tax collector and a prostitute. We're pretty used to being looked down on. Mm -hmm. Pretty humble folk. Mm -hmm. They were used to being humiliated, right? Yeah, yeah. And you have a Pharisee who is regarded in such high esteem that they can't even see Jesus Christ through their own reflection. Yes. But you have these humble folks who just... It's like a moth to the flame. They just are attracted so much so that they turn from all wickedness, from all sin, and steal heaven. Yeah, it it is, Debbie, and that's why the Anawim, by nature, those poor in God, those who have been made vulnerable, are disposed to surrender themselves to God. Yes. The ridiculed, the laughed at, the mocked at, this was Christ. this This was Christ. I mean, this is why the prideful, those who seek power, prestige, and pleasure, it's a dangerous thing. Mm. I mean, this is not a game we're playing. You know, people right. like to talk about this, the game of life. It's not a game. This is life and death. And we, we choose that just not each and every day, each and every hour, but each and every moment. We need to realize that quintessential truth as it relates to the Christian faith and journey, Debbie, that each and every moment is pregnant with eternal significance. Mm-hmm. That great battle cry of the ancient church, motus operandi. What operates your motives? Why do you do what you do? This in the end is what this parable draws out. Why do you do what you do? What motivates you? Mm -hmm. Why do you get up in the morning? Why are you rushing to this place or that place? Why are you making it home, you know, maybe uh, for the one o'clock 49ers game, but you're 10 minutes late for adoration? Ah, what's going on there? Mm -hmm. How do we spend our time? You know, the great principle, what you feed grows. This parable challenges all of that. Absolutely. And, and, and for that reason, this parable kind of stands as, as a beacon, as a light to understanding all of the principles of spirituality. Because if we can understand this, what motivates us, what drives us, how we're called to live in truth, we will be well on our way. So for all of that, Debbie, 
we should not be concerned with what people think all the time, but with what God thinks all the time. Are we so concerned with what we say and with our appearances that we've lost our sense of God working in our everyday life? An important question. You know, this uh, parable also evokes uh, that great uh, petition in the Our Father, thy will be done. Mm -hmm. My will be done or thy will be done. Mm -hmm. Again, that's part of the tension. Tension, That's part of the tension. So if we live in Christ, if we enter into God, if we allow the grace of God to invade our souls and to invade our hearts, what we'll find is thy will be done will become second nature to what we do. And all of these things that preoccupy our time, Debbie, you know, when our Lord says in the Sermon on the Mount, specifically his Sermon on Trust, he says, do not worry, do not be anxious. The Greek translation of that is do not be preoccupied. We go from one place to another, never present to the actual place that God calls us to be mm-hmm. because we're so preoccupied. Mm-hmm. How can we possibly live in his will? Mm-hmm. How can we possibly do what God wants us to do if we are scattered, if we are everywhere? And oh man, I, I'm mea culpa here, Debbie. I mean, I'm looking in the mirror and, you know, for all of our listeners out there, it's a challenge to you, but it's a challenge to me because again, every parable speaks to some universal truth. Mm-hmm. And in its images, it's, it's always being made concrete and it's speaking to the human condition. And gosh, if any parable does that, it's this. Yeah, because sometimes we're son one and sometimes we're son two, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? Yep. So I, what I love about son one, we're talking about truth. He says, you know, he's, he's invited and he says, I will not. And then he thinks afterwards and changes his mind. But I think... We've got the father-son relationship going here. The love and relationship of his father. He thinks, how can I, how can I let my father down? How, I love my father. I don't want him to be disappointed in me. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will go work in the vineyard. Second son, I want to look good to my father. Yep. Sure, dad. Sure, I'll go do that later. And off he goes to do his own will. And, you know, that is such black and white of our own lives. We make those choices every day. No, I will not. And maybe we change our mind and go. Or sure, I will. Oh, darn, I forgot. That's an excellent point, Debbie. You know, they say in the the 12 steps, you know, you need to hit rock bottom to then start again. Why? Because when you hit rock bottom, you then see things for what they are. It's Mm -hmm. It's the prodigal son. You see things for what they are. Of course, son one is the prodigal son. Son two is who? The elder brother who Mm -hmm. suffers from this disease of entitlement, right? Mm -hmm. So very, very important. And I hope as we wrap up our radio program here, Debbie, that we can appreciate the challenge that Christ is putting before all of us and Mm -hmm. that we enter into that first verse. What do you think? That we allow Christ to speak to us. What do you think? So let us start thinking critically about this parable and what it means for us mm-hmm. because it's life and death. It is. And make no mistake about it, our Lord wants us to see that. Amen. Let's close in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.